talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Welcome to the Drops Kickoff for another week. My name is Nick Wasiliev and I'm delighted to have your company uh, this Wednesday evening. I've got not one, not two, not three, but four blokes joining me this week on the podcast to talk about what's been a pretty interesting couple of weeks in the uh, in the last, you know, in the world of Super Rugby Pacific, Super W and more. Um, first of all, I'm joined by Jack O'Rourke. Jack, how you doing, mate? Good, mate. Um, good to be back. Just like a... Typical subbies player. I've skipped pre-season, skipped a couple of trainings, but I'm here for the match day. So ready to get into it. Mate, what was mad what matters is that you put your availability down early and let us know that you were keen. That was most important. Uh, I've got the man himself all the way from Melbourne, our our outside main club outside Heartlands representative, Dylan. How you doing, mate? I'm doing third grade proud because I heard there were beers involved, so I turned up. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm doing well, Nick. Uh, you know, it's been an interesting start to the season as a uh, Melbourne supporter, but you know, I'm here. <laughs> I, I appreciate that hugely because, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to that uh, soon. But yeah, it's <laughs> I appreciate it hugely. We've also got uh, stalwart Nick Hartman. Nick, how you doing, mate? Hey, mate. Yeah, good, good, great, great to be back. Um, I'm back to take my rightful place in the team, a la Jesse Mogg. Yeah, I'm surprised that like you know Jesse's had a couple of a couple of games. We've we've only done like two or three pods this year so far, but first time on the first time debuting. I knew that all it took took was a bit of Mogster to get you out of bed, which I appreciate. Um, and then lastly, but certainly not least, uh, Nathan Williamson. Nathan, how you doing, mate? Man, I'm doing good. It's a good start to the season. Nice opening month of rugby. Yeah, and yeah, it's a, it's a great time to be talking about it. It is. It is a very good time to talk rugby. And uh, for context, so the last time we talked, uh, it was just we'd just gone round two, uh, where we had a couple of teams, and it was a it was a interesting shape up was going forward. But now we're currently sitting in uh, in round four, uh, going into round five, and we'll be talking about some very basic questions, kind of uh, for tonight's discussion. Question one, thoughts on the last sort of fortnight or so. We'll have a look at the Aussie team's performance. We'll definitely have a chat about what's going on with the Rebels, uh, including that. Uh, but also, we'll also lead that into another question, which will be our second question, which is uh, the Kiwis, because they've had a lot of things going over in New Zealand. But there's definitely been a lot of talk, particularly a lot of, a lot of trolling and banter from across the Tasman that uh, we're going to struggle when we go up against them. And, we ask, and we're going to examine that a little bit. Do we think we'll go better this year against the Kiwis? Question three: uh, The Super W has has been kicking off. We are into we're heading into round three this weekend, and it's clear that it's turning into a, a really strong race between Queensland, New South Wales, and the Fijiana Drua. But the Fijiana are looking especially strong, and so we're daring to ask the question: Are the Fijiana Drua favourites to win the Super W? And then question four: We'll dive into predictions for the upcoming weekend for both competitions, uh, and talk about any other rugby news uh, that has caught our eye. Um, but first. Let's dive into the last fortnight or so. It's really interesting having a look at the ladder. Um, at the moment, I was if you had told me, you know, in come round three or four, that of all the teams, uh, it will be two Australian sides that remain unbeaten, I would have been, I would have probably been a bit surprised because uh, after the Crusaders went down to the Chiefs at home on the weekend, 
they it's the it's Reds and Brumbies at the top. Reds and Brumbies at the top. And even with uh, the fact that the Blues, Chiefs and Hurricanes are one game down, even if they had picked up a win, they would still be behind uh, a whole bunch of these teams in, that are making up the top four, uh, which sees three Aussie teams, the Brumbies, Reds and Tars, and the Crusaders uh, with the Blues, Chiefs, Hurricanes and the Force making up the top eight. Um, I'm going to throw it to you first, Nick Hartman, uh, because I know that uh, you know, you've been keeping a, a small eye on this, uh, particularly you've been excited about the return of the Mogster. Um, at the moment, Brumbies are at the top of the ladder. Do you think that's a good reflection of uh, of the of their performances so far? Um, good question. Uh, I would say, um, look, I, I don't really think so. Actually, I think you said you're surprised that there's undefeated teams. I think this is replicating what happened last year with the Brumbies and the Reds being the only kind of professional or a properly run outfits, again, dominating the Australian conference. So I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, but I guess it's great to see, hopefully, really, and look, we'll probably get to this later, but to see them take on the Kiwis whenever that happens, which will be soon because their borders are opening in about a month, I think. Um, but I... I mean, it's good to see. I mean, the the, the point difference is far and above anyone else. Um, um, and, and, you know, this weekend they're playing the Reds. So I think, you know, again, like last year, that will be the Australian grand final, two best teams. So, I mean, really, uh, there's really not much to say until they play the Kiwis. Yeah, it's there is a feeling or a sense, and, and maybe you, someone else here may disagree that, there is a sense that right now all of this, and maybe and this may lead into our, you know, we might be touching on question two a little early, but everyone kind of feels that, yeah, these wins are all great, but does it only count for naught until uh, the Kiwis show up? I, I personally think that there has been a lot of improvements, uh, and, you know, in terms of upwards mentality. A few weeks back, Nathan and I kind of just talked about how there was just a real element of positive rugby, not just from the Brumbies and the Reds, but also from the Tars and and the Force uh, in the last couple of weeks as well. Nathan, um, I know you were at the game between the Force and the Tars uh, on the weekend. Uh, how do you think about those two teams in terms of the examination of of what's been happening with them. Do you think that they're still on a level that is, are we still opti as optimistic about them as we were, or do we think that there's still signs of improvement? Um, in terms of world types, yeah, I think there is. I think we are at a similar level, if not more, arguably. I mean, you look at the four games that I've played this year, you know, two pretty convincing wins over sort of the force and juror, and then, sort of matching it with the Reds and Brumbies and showing they can compete to an extent where you, you walked away from that game, particularly against the Reds, thinking, geez, they should have won that. When both times last year we thought, geez, that could have been 50. Um, but uh, the Force, yeah, I, I, I don't know about them. They've really – I don't know what's happened, but they seem to have just taken that that backward step. It's one of those things they've – the Reds they compared for a bit but then just fell away and then they looked – they didn't look that look good at all during, especially that second half against the Waratahs. So I think they need to find that bounce back factor. But and what I saw, what I saw from Sunday is I think the Waratahs are gonna are looking like the third best team in the Australian Conference, and look a different team to one that rocked up in twenty one. The Force, I think you still need to see just a couple of tweaks here and there, just to kind of find that level they were, they were producing towards the end of Trans Tasman and the um, Super Rugby AU last year. 
I think there was a sense that when they lost that game against the Reds, that one was a real killer for the force, um, particularly around, you know, just the fact that at home, even, and it was against a depleted red side, even though they were competitive for a lot of the game, I feel like that probably has knocked the boys around a little bit. Um, but I, I, at the same time, also it's, it's, I think a reflection on the fact that on the fact that this Reds team just knows how to win. They've really developed a strong ability to win really well. Um, Jack, I know that you're probably chomping at the bit for this game this weekend because uh, us Brumby boys always appreciate a solid performance from uh, you know from the men uh, from the men from the capital. But this Reds team has been really impressive, hasn't it? Have you? What are your thoughts about uh, about this upcoming derby? And do you think that it's the case that the Reds similarly will just find a way to win yet again? Yeah, it's really encouraging signs. Um, last week against the Drua, they sort of. It took the foot off the pedal, but it was a real test of depth for them. I thought, um, you know, Sarah Uru was immense. That combination is really working. Um, and they relied on, you know, their their, uh, their substitutes to, you know, stay in the fight, get it done um, and, and close off the match. So I think, I think you're right. I think they've got this new mentality um, and that's backed up by, you know, depth across the park. They've still got you know, a lot of um, injuries and, and a lot of people to come back and, and they've been able to fill in those gaps with with some quality players. The likes of Fluke has really stepped up. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting battle next week. Um, uh, I think, yeah, in that in that last game against the Drew, I think they got their substitutions wrong. I think uh, they, they took off a lot of players all at once and that really affected their uh, combinations and, their, and, the, and the momentum of the match. And if you take your take the foot off the gas for a second that the, uh, the Drew will punish you with those seven skills and their, and their fitness. I, I reckon they're the fittest team in the comp. Really? Wow. Like I, I will, I will say that, but I'm like, wow, I'm surprised that you what? think it's a, a Drewer that the Drew would be the main, t- the main athletic. Yeah, I, think, I think they've got the, the sort of uh, traditional problems where they, that, that unstructured play. Um, I think they, they need to tighten that up when they're playing super rugby, but, they, they can go the distance with it, anyone, and stay in the fight. It's just, you know, they, that, that decision-making and, and sometimes the skills let them down. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's – I will say that, in you know, in the last two weeks, the, the execution has just been immense. It's it's improved out of sight since that since that win against the Rebels, which is, you know and, – and I think that they're probably going to surprise a lot of the Kiwi teams when they come up against them because, you know, they, 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 that – Fijian flair that we've come to expect is is really starting to show. Dylan, before we talk about the Rebels, because I, I kind of d- I don't want to you know just just put you in the corner with there. Um, I know that you've you know found some quite a lot of enjoyment in you know in the game out in this you know competition outside of the performance of of the Rebels. What is uh, what are the things been that you've really enjoyed most about Super Rugby Pacific so far? Uh, I've actually really enjoyed watching the Drua play as well. Um, watching the Reds Drua game over the weekend, that was just really exciting. It really went down to the wire. And that's what you want as a spectator. I had no dog in that fight and it was just entertaining rugby to watch. Um, even watching, going back and watching the Drua Tars game, you know, there were moments that, that was, the Drua was still in that fight and that was really exciting. Um, I actually do agree with Nath. I think the, uh, the Tars have really turned it around this year. Uh, as painful as that is for me to say, uh, so <laughs> it, I have seen that watching that yeah, that improvement. But it is the Brumbies and the Reds are just almost finding a new level. 
So mm. it's, it's there are there have been some great moments as a spectator with no obviously no vested interest in who wins, just you know cheering for rugby. So that's been pretty pretty solid. Yeah, it has. It has, and it's it's good to see at least you know um, four of the five of our five teams show some degree of, of you know of really strong promise and, and growth. Um, but I won't I won't beat around the bush anymore in terms of the discussion around the rebels um, because you know we we talked in our last podcast um, that you know you you had some some really strong opinions and thoughts about exactly why how the rebels kind of have got into this mess. And Nathan and I both, Nathan basically said that, you know, at the time, and this was before the match against the Druid, that now wasn't the time to panic uh, if you are a Rebels fan. Um, and that all we needed was a good turnaround against the Druid and everything would be fine and they would just start to get in on their winning ways. Um, and unfortunately, that proved not to be the case. What's going on with this Rebels team, man? What's 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 the lie of the land? Uh, I'm, I'm smiling back tears, I think, at the moment, Nick. Um, I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. Uh, look, I think, as I put in the chat, I'm just sad. It's been more than 10 years of this. And, you know, I, I spoke to quite a few people on Friday night at the game. I got to talk to a few of the uh, the women's players. Uh, and they they were sad. They were like, these, are, these guys are out there and they're trying really hard. They're not going out there to lose, but it hurts for them to see it. And you, you do it. You go. These are, these are guys trying really hard. You can't fault that. But I think ultimately there's just something wrong at the, with the whole organisation. I think, you know, I, I saw the team announcement today for the TARS game and, and I nearly threw my phone. I was just angry. I was looking at it going, why are we still picking these combinations that aren't working? We're picking players that they're just not up to super level. And... In some cases, I'd go, you know, I don't mind them trialling things. Like, I was really excited when I saw Carter Gordon uh, getting that start against the Reds. And, yeah, okay, he didn't play perfectly, but he's a young 10 learning. Give him a go. And if he, and if Kevin Foote was to actually take real risks, I'd sit there and go, you know what, mate, he took risks. He's not taking risks. He's just picking the, he's picking the safe bet, but the safe bet's not working anymore. We're four, we're four games in, and it's it's just not getting anywhere. But what's worse is I've been to the two home games and, mate, if you said there was a 1,000 people there, I'd be surprised. It was – there's no crowd. There's no atmosphere. People don't care, and that's the sad reality of it. They've done nothing to grow the sport. And, you know, in comparison to what the women's are doing, I just – someone asked me on Friday night, what does Burn City mean to me? And I looked at him and I went, absolutely fucking nothing. Sorry for the language, but You're allowed to swear, man. <laughs> uh, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was my response because we've done this. We've we've been losers a long time, and and yeah, sometimes you go, oh, that's Australian rugby, you know. We're not always going to win. We're open, you know. But God, when you just see the dumb shit that was happening, the dumb plays, like I'll give you their attacking structure. Three forward moves, a backline move to get it to a winger. It's like they forgot we don't have Marika Corabetti anymore. Mm. You know, I'm sorry, Glenn Vaihahu, but you're not running over people like Marika. Like, it's it, that's your gameplay. You need to change it because that's not – and that's – no joke, watch it. Three forward um, hit-ups, a, back, a, a basic backline move to get it to the wing. That's mm. it. I'm a third-grade rugby coach in Melbourne, and I'm not a very good one. 
And I can tell you that. It's, a, it's just blindly easy to defend. And that's really upsetting. And it's just, I, I, I could spend an hour on here telling you all, the, all of my thoughts and feelings and how I think they've let Melbourne down. But at the end of that, I said, I'm, I'm just sad. Mm. Yeah, it's like to, to it, the, the words that I've kind of felt just watching the Rebels is just flat. Like there's like they're trying whatever they whatever they can, but just there's something that is clearly not not clicking. Nathan, I know I'm going to throw to you for this because you know you and I were the last to to talk about this in terms of on the podcast. Um, in in terms of and you kind of came out to went to bat a little bit because you know they've got a new director of rugby in Nick Styles. Um, they've got you know who has seen success in 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 places like Queensland before. Um, you know, I mean, Kevin Foote, yes, he was, you know, an assistant coach under Vessels, um, but, you know, he's only he's only really had effectively eight or nine games in charge. I mean, well, half a season last year, and, you know, you, you pretty much give it a write-off considering it was against Kiwi sides. Um, what do you think about the Rebels right now? Is there is there – do we still think that there is a building motion or do we think that it's kind of a play – we kind of have got to a point where, okay, something actually needs to change now? It's one of those things. I mean, it's a new jam of rugby, a new head coach, a new attacking coach. There's not much really you can change. You almost have to, in my view, like there's so many like pieces you could build around. In as Dylan's mentioned, you know, your Carter Gordon's, your Glenn Vihus, even Lucas Ripley when he can, you know, he's got a taste of super rugby. He needs to sort of find more weapons to his game. But once he develops, he's going to be a great player. I just, I think we're at that stage where you just got to give these, these give, give these kids a go. And I, I think it's almost ironic that this they're, going, they're coming up against the Tars this week because I see so much of the Tars in this team. As a as a Tars fan that had to suffer last year, it's a team which is missing its most influential player that did every work for it for them last year. A bunch of Wallabies on the sidelines and a whole bunch of young kids who aren't at that Super Rugby level yet and just basically learning on the job in front of a coach which is under pressure and is taking a lot of safe options as a result. So I think in terms of asking, you know, is there growth areas? All you have to, on Saturday, all you have to do is look across from the pitch and say that, hey, if you continue down this path, there are probably ways through. It's just, I, I would like to see, as I agree with Dylan in the sense that I think they need to start being a bit more adventurous with their picks. I don't think Tamua is a 10. I get, I get Ray Newton who's been good at 12, but he, he could probably play a 13 role with Tamura at 12 and Gordon at 10. Um, I just don't think it's – I think it's now – time. like, it's one of those things. When you when we look back last year, you look at Trans-Tasman, underfoot they were playing great rugby in the sense that they, they challenged the Chiefs. They challenged the Highlanders at, at Leichhardt. I was out there both those games. They, they looked solid. They looked exciting. And that was with Carter at 10. And arguably, he was probably – the ten that was close to being informed, one of the informed ones heading into that into that period, and genuinely looked like when I mean, heading into this year it was probably one of the more exciting options heading in. I think I even said it with a good season he could probably push a Wallabies. That's long gone, but I think you just got to you're at the stage you got to give these kids a chance, let them develop, do what they the Waratahs did with Ben Donaldson and just pick him for ten games and just and just say go, learn how to. Learn how to be a playmaker, experience the up and downs, and then we'll once we hit twenty three, we go from there. 
Well, I think on that, Nath, like if you look, when did the Rebels look their best last weekend? When you had Moses Sorovi at nine and Carter Gordon went in at that first receiver. But then this week, starting, we go back to Powell and Tamua, um, who don't have a good combination pairing, and Sorovi's not even playing. So if you said, you know, who were the standouts last week, I would have said Sorovi, Richard Hardwick, and, uh, and Carter Gordon. And the only one to start out of that is Richard Hardwick, who was really good, but the back row is not an issue. I, I really think, you know, this is more than just a year, like a yearly problem. And I think something that the Tars did was they got Darren Coleman in. And I think, you know, when you listen to the guys at the Giltinis talk about him and you, you hear people talk about about his legacy in Shoot Shield, I think there's something about that. There's That legacy means something. And whether it's New South Wales pride that they needed because having a bunch of Kiwis come in and coach them, they didn't have that same same New South Wales pride. And I think that's really what's missing from the Rebels because for a long time, all they did, they picked a lot of older blokes. They picked a lot of mercenaries. And it was like, well, we'll pick the pick these best guys. You know, your, your Kirtley Beals, your Nick Phipps, your James O'Connor, your Danny Cipriani's, who all did absolutely nothing for the club. They were all, you know, passengers. And we didn't grow the sport. And then you have the, the force come, or, you know, the force merge. And well, the force guys come across. I think what 18 players came across. There's three still on the list. That wasn't that long ago. And you know, I talked about this, I've said this a few times, and I know most people on this podcast will laugh at me for this. But the most important person to the Rebels franchise at the moment is Reese Hodge because if he leaves to go to Sydney, goes to the Waratahs because he wants to move back to Sydney or leaves, then it's just a club of, of you know, it's a through point. It's a place that people go when they can't get a contract anywhere else. And that's a really heartbreaking thing because we haven't built a culture that keeps people in Melbourne. You haven't built a culture that says, I want to be, I, I want to be a part of the rebels. It's, oh, you know, and I think it was really nice what Andrew Kellaway wrote um, about, you know, the rebels giving him the lifeline. And I'm really grateful that he's stuck around because I'm, I've been a big fan of him his, since he was at the Waratahs and even followed him at Northampton. So I'm, you know, you know I really enjoyed him at the, uh, the Wallabies, but this is that problem. Like, we, we've got so much talent in Victoria that gets overlooked. And, and all you've got to do is ask any Dewar Shield coach. And I'm only relatively new new into the fold, but there's a lot of talent out here that could be playing for that, that, that Rebels team. And a lot of that talent would bring supporters because people would want to go and support their mates. It would help grow the sport here. And, and I don't mean this to sound offensive, but we just keep going. You know, if there's an option between a Victorian and someone from Shoot Shield or someone from Brisbane, we always pick the Northerner. And the problem with that is after a while you go, well, I don't know who this bloke is. And then when they start making mistakes, you go, oh, yeah, go, typical passenger because, you know, like I, my, I, my greatest fear is that at the end of 2023, Carter Gordon's going to run back up to Queensland when Jock's, uh, Jock leaves. And that's that's not good for Rebels rugby. That's not good, you know, well, that's not good for rugby in Melbourne. And, you know, to add on top of it, the Rupert arrangement that allows players to nominate their club has meant that no player wants to play in Melbourne. So if they're not playing for the Rebels, they go and play club footy up in in Sydney or Brisbane. Some some go to Canberra, but none of them stay and play in Melbourne. So how's that helping to grow the game as well? I just think that the franchise really needs to take a step back and go, we need to grow the Melbourne game. We need to bring the supporters back. And there's a lot that you could do. I heard, you know, 
many many great ideas getting thrown about around over some beers on Friday night. Um, so you know, if anyone at the Rebels franchise wants to reach out, we've got plenty of uh, beer uh, beer fueled ideas for you. But that's the the that's I think it's not just a yearly problem. It's not something that uh, giving Kevin Foot a bit of time to 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 grow and to grow as a coach. There's something more systemic wrong, and and I'm not calling for mass executions of the corporate board of the board or the coaches, but a cult there, there needs to be a culture shift there that says we are Melbourne, not this burn city thing that means nothing, not promoting the four Victorians you've got in the squad. Um, so I think those are the big changes. And I actually think that, I'll just finish this up, this last point off, because this is one that's really been going. I think there are two coaches that really come to mind that who the Rebels should target. I think, I don't think Kevin foots up to the job, but well, there, there, there are three. I think if you gave Jeff Parling, the head coach, as the former player, I think that would make a big statement because he's he has stuck around. He came to the club for one season and has stuck around as a coach. That's that like is inspiration. A, like a Thorn character, you mean? Yeah, like a Thorn character. But also, I think you want. You want to build this Melbourne brand? Perhaps the second most famous um, Victorian player after Weary Dunlop would be Ewan McKenzie. He's from Melbourne. If you got him back and gave him and gave him like Thorne, you've got five years to build this. We know we're going to lose, but build a Melbourne team. Build a team that, you know, guys from every club are going to go, I know that bloke. I played with that bloke or I played against that bloke and bring that back. Bring it, people wanting to support their mates, because that's what happened. That's what we saw at the Super W on the weekend. A lot of those girls, most of those girls are Melbourne girls. So everyone who plays it, who's associated with a women's club is going, oh, I want to go and support my mates, or I want to go and watch the girl that I'm hopefully going to line up against later this year. And it's, it's really quite a beautiful thing to see that support, but that support's not there for the men's because there's no tribalism to it. The other coach, and I know he's, he's unavailable because he's just taken a head coaching job in Argentina, but I think Michael Checker has proven that he's actually not an international coach. He's a club coach. You look at what he's done in Europe, what he did with the Waratahs. As much as I hated him at the Wallabies, I'd love to see him come and do work that that tribalism magic at the Rebels. So, And that's enough out of the, uh, the whingy southerner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, really interesting to hear you talk about especially around, um, you know, the burn boys and all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, from what I see, you've got Ulysses, you've got Pony, you've got Rob, you've got Trevor, you got that guy, Josh Cannon, that just started on the weekend. Um, you can count, you know, you could count Tamula, you could count um, young Tommy Apaya, um, these guys going through. So it's interesting to hear that, um, you know, there isn't that sort of Melbourne culture coming through because I, I feel like, from the outside looking in, that's something they've been working on, but maybe they just haven't um, been able to nail it. I think Kevin Foote commented it on during the week. I think the most concerning thing is that the the senior players haven't been setting up, stepping up. Um, you got the likes of like Philip, Powell, Tamua, Hodge. These guys really haven't been stamping their authority on on the game. So it's it's a it's hard to introduce these new players when when the senior guys who are supposed to be you know running the cutter. Um, are letting everyone down. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one, but like I, I think these ideas that you're you're mentioning here, Dylan, are really really interesting. Um, it, just as a out of, as a as a question, I know Nick Nick Hartman's got another thing that he really wants to wants to mention on this. 
Um, if you are Kevin Foote right now, and you know the the match, this match against the Tars goes south uh, from trying the same thing over and over again. Is it just a case in terms of this season of just going fuck it? Uh, let's throw caution to the wind and just try any combination we can to hope we find some success. It, at the, in terms of at least this season, short term level to try and get some sort of engagement back with the fan base. I don't think that's going to make too much of a difference because, like, like if you watch Lucas Ripley for the last two matches, there's a reason he got dropped. He didn't live up to the potential. But he's, what, 20? 19, 20? He wasn't ready to start Super 19. Rugby. 19. There you go. Thanks, Dave. Like, that's not to knock him because I'm 30 and I can't do what half the shit that he can do. So, but he wasn't up to that standard. So you need to obviously let him grow into it. And we saw that Carter Gordon was up to that standard last year. And, you know, some tens have, you know, Christ, Dan Carter had a bad day playing for the All Blacks and it was probably the last time the Wallabies looked good at beating them. Um, so you can't just drop it and throw caution to the wind, like throw, sorry, throw, just throw him out, you know, out the back and put Tamur in there. I don't know what, what Kevin Foote can do to turn this season around because you're right. There are some guys that aren't carrying their weight and there are guys that I know have legitimate reasons for that. Um, but then maybe you've got to ask your coach, what as a coach, why am I not getting the most out of my players? Do what is the game plan not working? And I can, I can honestly say the game plan's not working uh, as we've seen quite regularly. So it's not just about player selections. Maybe it's about going, what's our attack strategy? What do, why do we aimlessly kick in the wrong zones? Why do we, um, why don't we, you know, how many 22 entries do they have? And yet we walk away with three points, but we'll have 10, 22 entries. You know, if you get to play South African brand rugby, at least, you know, get to learn your three times tables. So I'll just answer your question, Nick. I don't know what Kevin Foote can do apart from potentially just walk away. Mm, it's a it's a rough one, Nick. You, you mentioned you, you mentioned you wanted to, to say something on this. What what were your thoughts? Uh, I, so yeah, my thoughts were which you touched on, Dylan, um, was that you know basically the, the the people who can't make the Tars or the the Reds come down to play for Melbourne. I mean, right now you got Joe Powell. Uh, well, yeah, it's from the Brumbies, but, you know, same point. Joe Powell and Moses Sarobi have come down. And, you know, Michael Wells, who couldn't get a game in the Waratahs team, has come down with the Rebels and, you know, is one of their better players. Um, and the Tars have got, you know, that that back row coming through. So, but, but, but when you look at the history of the, the Rebels, that's always been the case. Um, just kind of the Brumbies were the Reds and the Waratahs. B team or the people get, couldn't get in that team. And the Rebels seem to be the B team of those three teams. Um, <laughs> so really my question to you is like, do you ever, we, do you ever really see that changing? And like, what actually was the Rebels best time? Was it Dave Vessels? And actually that's another question. Why did Dave Vessels fail? Was it Dave, that Dave Vessels season when they came? Eighth, I think. So I think um, I can see it changing, but it needs drastic change. And it needs someone like I used this example with, with my old man when we were talking about it. I said, Dave Vessels was too nice. Like Brad Thorne would walk into the, the boardroom 
and everyone in that room would think, there's a chance this man might hurt me. Now, he's not going to hurt them. He's, he's not going to be like that. But there's something, there's an intimidation factor about that. So if Brad Thorne needs that time, they're going to give Brad Thorne that time. And they did. They gave him the time to bring up uh, through um, through the NRC, which I know Nick and I both agree needs to come back, um, to develop those players. All those players played under him at the NRC. Then they, they played under him. And, you know, the Reds weren't good for a long time. They weren't winning games. And, yeah, they weren't. <laughs> and now, they're, now they've come back. And they're, now they're, we're talking about them being a dominant force. And look, we'll talk about how well they'll go against the Kiwis later, but they are looking really good. Um, so you just need time and you need to not panic and you need to find... So my ideal scenario would be we have a, a set squad, a, a, a solid squad that's with us for five to ten, you know, five, six, seven years, a couple of World Cup rotations, that, yeah, you'll have guys come in. Guys like your jock who, uh, up in Queensland, you know, was out, then came back in as a mature player. Um, you know, you, you'll get your journeymen that come through always. Every every club gets a journeyman. But I feel like that that's the, that's the culture. You need to give them time, but you also need to build something. You see that, that Queensland pride. I, I don't know if you guys noticed this. It, I, it used to annoy me, but now I've actually really appreciate it. When the Reds put out their, their squad announcements, they always put their club, um, the players' club next to it. Yeah, I've noticed that. And it was, yeah. And I was, it was like, that's oh, a little bit wanky, isn't it? But now I'm going, no, that's that's that Queensland pride, and because most of those guys have come up playing through that club, you know, like. But if you look so at the Tars, impact that. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, Tars, Tars do the exact same thing. Do with the team they play for, the junior club that. So, it, example, Angus Bell will do Sydney Uni. Hunter Hill, where he plays junior rugby, and then Newington, the school. So, again, carping onto that, what they're trying to do with the exact same thing with Queensland as well. Yeah. So, I think that's a great idea. But you do that with the Rebels, you're not getting very many Melbourne clubs. And that's the problem. Uh, so, I think there's got to be that level of pride. And there's got to be that level of, of spectator that the, that we as fans want to come back. You know, I've been a member of the Rebels for over 10 years and I'm seriously considering whether I should renew my membership. Um, sorry, what was your second question, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, when was... I kind of feel that Rebels always just kind of been crap. Yeah. Um, was there a time that you thought that wouldn't be the case in the season? I think there's there was there's times under vessels, but I think that it highlighted his uh, some of his failings as a coach was that those guys didn't know how to close out games, so you'd actually see like they would they would be dominant and they'd lose in the last five minutes. Um, you know there was a couple of Waratahs games in that 2018 season that got us. Um, you know you look at that all we had to you know and. Every one of those seasons under Vessels, it was always down to the last game. And you sort of go, but we would be so dominant for the first seven, and then the last seven we'd drop off and we'd get to that that last match and you'd have to do it. So, look, you'd probably say that that 2018-19 squad was probably the best they had. Uh, but that involved the best of two teams um, and a couple of, you know, internationals like Amanaki Mafi. So that would probably be the best. And they still couldn't 
couldn't quite get it over the line. And, and, and since then, that has been really the downfall of the, the rugby. That should have that 2018 season should have been the biggest growth point for rugby in Victoria because we survived the cull. And it, they just didn't do enough. The club, I think the club was exhausted, the organisation, but they just didn't do enough. Yeah, look, it's it sounds like we're we're digging into a what's an even more complicated topic, and I feel like we should, you could do a, you could do a whole entire podcast on this, which we may in fact do if if the season gets worse. But um, I'm fully aware that you know it's while it's disappointing that the that the rebels are you know are struggling right now. Surely there is a point of either it's either up from here or change occurs, um, and we hope that that is the case because. You know, there is a lot of really talented players in that squad. And and we we hope that this team does well, uh, which is important. Because, you know, when when Australian teams start to win and there's been, you know, teams are starting to win all up. I feel like it's, you know, before we, we got into this conversation, we were talking about the fact that the Brumbies are doing well, the Reds are doing well, the Tars are improving, the Force are improving, albeit, you know, with a couple of, of splutterings along the way. Um Things are looking up, and I hope that this is also the case for the Rebels uh, going forward. Um, it's, I'm sorry, Dylan. It's a you're on a rough ride right now, uh, but I'll, uh, you know, I'm, from I'm I'm used to it, Nick. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of speaking of rough rides, let's talk about uh, our second point, which is kind of a, a topic that is, you know, kind of launched off the back of this, which is, you know, some questions around what will happen when we actually go against the Kiwis this year. Um, this kind of topic, I know that this this kind of conversation or topic is inevitable when, you know, you're we have the competition in the state that it is right now, we're going during COVID times and, you know, we'll be we'll be going over to play them. They'll be coming, you know, or they'll be coming over to play us, but it's going to happen in kind of the latter half of the season um, you know, while we get all the derbies out of the way. And so you don't know until you actually play. Um, and of course, you know, our record against the Kiwi sides hasn't been the strongest, to put it mildly, over the last, you know, couple of years. Jack, I'm going to throw to you first for this one. Um, mm-hmm. You are the uh, you are always the optimist, which, which, which yeah. puts a smile on my dial every time we record. Um, I know we, we, it was 23 losses to two wins last year. We're going to do better than that surely this year, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's always tough when you got, you know, back-to-back um, games against the Kiwis. It's it's really hard to plan, and, and you've got to be on that whole time for that, I don't, I don't know how many weeks stretch it is. But um, I, I, I think, yeah, I think we'll definitely see more wins. I think we've, we've finally um, gotten used to what it's like um, Playing back to back, it's a it's a bit of a sprint there, and and, and I think coming from Trans Tasman, um, there was actually a lot of good performances. The Rebels really challenged some people, some teams, and also the Force really really stuck in there. I remember that game against the Crusaders. So hopefully, with another year under our belt, going over to this tra- Trans Tasman side of things, um, we'll be a bit more experienced and 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 know how to prepare for it better. Um, I think Reds and the Brumbies are still the pick of the bunch. Um, and in, in, in particular, Brumbies are looking really good. I think they'll, they're hitting their strides at the moment. And I think, I think they'll go into, uh, the competition, um, well-prepared. And, and one thing you got to consider is, you know, both Reds and Brumbies were, were coming off that super final into, into a game against the Kiwis like that very next week. So, um, we won't have that 
the highs of a, of playing a final and, and they can probably prepare. So um, I think Reds have a solid lineup and they're, and they're building some nice depth. They've, they've got a few guys still injured, but as I said, they're filling those gaps. So um, yeah, I, I'm quietly confident. I think so too. I reckon at least at the games at home, I think uh, particularly, you know, are, are going to be hopefully a good test of, of the quality of, of, you know, of those, of those sides. I think the Brumbies did pick up one, mm. I think one or two of those wins at home last year um, yeah. in Canberra and even, and, and Canberra is proven to be a tough place for, for any team to come to and win. So yeah. you, you like, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, this, this round in, in New Zealand is pretty much completely wiped out with COVID. So um, yeah. a bit of a disaster over there. Ever since they left the COVID bubble in, in Queenstown, there's the, the, it's just ravaged some sides with with, um, with some posit, uh, positive tests. So I wonder, you know, um, will it be in our favour if they have to, you know, move the New Zealand side over here and, and that could give us a bit of advantage, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It's, yeah, it's more also the, just the week in, week out because, you know, I, I know Moana Pacific has had a rough run of it because how many weeks have, have they had to spend in isolation and all for just only playing one game um, against yeah. against the Crusaders of all teams. Uh, it doesn't necessarily create the best atmosphere for playing, you know, consistent, you know, rugby week in, week out. Um, Nick, what are your thoughts uh uh, on this uh, on this whole situation and uh, where we sit against the Kiwis. Uh, well, I just had a question for Nathan, but answering your question there, um, look, we can only hope, right? But the Brumbies and the Reds, like it, they're actually, like I was saying before, they're actually good outfits. They know what they're trying to do. They build a game plan. They adapt their game plan. Like you'd see the Brumbies a bit, you know, they were they were dominant for a couple of years. Um, and, you know, the Reds come back and beat them last year, and you can see that the Reds are ascendant um, on the Brumbies, but it's great to see that they're now adapting, and, our, you know, um, and Dan McKellar, you know, is kind of seeing, hey, look, these are our faults and just trying to fix them, and they've definitely changed the, the way they're playing, um, and, and as Jack said, they're humming. So, I mean, we can only see. Um, and I think the Waratahs as well, as more the season goes on, they will click and become better. And it will also be great to see the Fijian Drill, who are like the same, and they're playing better and better every week as well. So I guess we can count them as Australian because um, they are in our <laughs> conference and we did cultivate them. Um, but but my question, actually, I was thinking about Moana and all that COVID. Nathan, and I guess you probably know the answer to this. What's going to happen? What are the contingencies with this? I mean, how are they going to catch up on their three games? And then what if it strikes again? What's like a lockdown, for example? Do you know? Uh, for Moana Pacifica, my understanding, or, and this is just going off what they've done for the first, or was originally scheduled for the first two games before this whole outbreak was happening, was that there was going to be the idea of playing essentially midweek games. So I think that round one game against the Blues, that's now been scheduled for Tuesday the 29th of March, so you get just over two weeks, and then they'll play the Blues again on the Saturday. So I think that oh. the way they're going to try and make those games up is I think, you think you'll see a lot of teams doing the like Friday, Tuesday, Saturday, or a Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, and just give them that, basically do what we did against the French and do that whole 3-11 and 11 
series. As for your second question in terms of lockdown, I don't think that's happening. I think the Kiwis are getting to that stage where they're just letting it rip and just rip off the Band-Aid, essentially where the majority of Australia has been for the past, say, three months because they've just announced that borders will open for Australian visitors without having to quarantine. I know you could go from New Zealand to from New Zealand to Australia and back without quarantine. I think you can now do both ways, which essentially opens up by the time Super Round comes for both sides to go over. So I don't think that's going to be the problem. I think their, their problem is, is always going to be just further cases coming up. And I mean, the which is going to keep happening until the entire squad happening. Sorry, until the entire squad has it. The only point I'm making this is, you know, we want to talk about how they're all affected and all, all that sort of stuff. People are forgetting basically every every person within the Australian squads. I think maybe outside the force, they've already had it. They they went through pre-season and, and a lot in a lot of terms had a week or two where their pre-season camp was supposed to shut down because the entire squad had it. So, like, this isn't a case of, you know, they haven't and we don't. Like, we've already gone through it. We've already been affected by it. So, I, I'm not looking too... Not not feeling too sorry for the Kiwis and, and acting like this has come some sort of major disadvantage. Like we've gone through it, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out once we hit Super Round. But to answer while I'm while I'm going to answer your question, Nick, I, it's going to be a lot better this time round with a much more favourable draw, a Waratahs team that's improved, and hopefully if, if the Force can find a gear and Fiji, if we're including Fiji in that. You include their home game, and I think they're, we're going to be coming away with a lot more wins than two. Hopefully, somewhere <laughs> close, so, somewhere close to double digits. Maybe not entirely double digits, but enough that we can count on more than one hand. Let's hope. Enough that we can. Enough that all the Kiwi trolls can can no longer confidently be like, "Oh yeah, you're, you're going to lose." It, it, it's, <laughs> it actually has to be. Oh, actually, it'll be competitive. We can't. We can't say that with confidence now. Which I'd is. Love to- the first crossover game is, is the Highlanders Brumbies, I think it is, at Melbourne. Oh no, sorry, that's the that's the match around. That's the game I reckon is, is going to be the true test. It's a team I those listening two weeks ago put put on the radar at zero two. They're still zero and four. They they're the team that are starting to think, oh, we're just going to walk through the Australian teams and make up all their wins. I'd love it, and I tell you, I'd love it. <laughs> the Brumbies just come out and just absolutely wipe the floor with them. I would love to see that. Just to give them that little reminder of, hey, this isn't going to be a cakewalk when you play on the Australian sides. <laughs> it's, it could be the famous last words or we'll love it with our, with our Lancashire accents completely. Uh, I'll love it too. But, yeah, it's... It is. It definitely is interesting to look at, and hopefully, and I do. I'm. I'm. I'm also optimistic that it's not going to be 25 and two again. The boys look a lot stronger this time round, and hopefully, with several rounds, you know, under the belt, uh, and and hopefully with a, with a couple more wins as well, uh, you know, we can we can grab a few more wins, which will be good. It'll definitely make the comp a much more interesting one. Um, let's jump over to question three and talk about the first two rounds of Super W. Um, because this comp has really been super impressive uh, over the last, you know, over the opening fortnight. Um, you know, in the past, it's we. I feel like you can say with with reasonable confidence that you know it, 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 the final would would usually be a toss up between New South Wales and Queensland. Um, but 
this the this the opening fortnight has seen a lot of surprises. It's not, and it looks like already that it is not going to be a repeat of seasons gone by. Um, the Fijiana Drua have been outstanding, uh, uh, and currently are sitting on top of the table uh, with two bonus point wins. Uh, but they're on par with the Waratahs right now. The Queensland and Queensland Reds make up the top three uh, with one win and one loss. But even in the in the developing sides, there have been some fantastic matches. And let's look no further than the uh, the Rebels draw against the Brumbies uh, over uh, over the weekend just gone. Which, if you haven't seen this game, do yourself a favor and go check it out because the performance uh, by this Rebels women's team against you know a, a, a arguably more experienced Brumby side was absolutely nothing short of really impressive from this side. Um, and even the Force. Uh, I was lucky enough to watch the Force Tars game, um, and even though they went down, uh, the Force girls really brought a, a lot of physicality that was really impressive to look at. Um, Nathan, I'm going to throw to you first for this particular question um, because I do think that uh, it's a legitimate question to ask. In the past, we have often talked about how the Waratahs women only know how to do one thing, and that is to win. But there is definitely an emerging competitor right now in the form of the Fijiana Drua. Um, do we think we'll see a potentially new winner of the trophy this year? And I know that we're, we're only early into the season, but God, they're looking the goods, aren't they? They do look really good. And I think we've got to remind ourselves as well, this is cl- close to a national side. Like you're going to have the majority of these players go on to play in New Zealand for the World Cup. I do think this is, again, this goes back to, as you mentioned, the Waratahs, all I, all I know is how to win. And I think that's been pretty clear to see. I mean, it, by their own standards, they put together two below, below par performances, yet still have found ways to win in the end pretty quick, pretty convincingly. On a side note of that, if anyone hasn't seen Bradio Gorman's try, it is incredible. Look it up. It's a front rower's wet dream. Um, <laughs> trust it's it's really and arguably the biggest cheer at Leichhardt when she she ran over after about a sixty meter effort. But I think the Waratahs are still at that. They still haven't peaked yet. You still haven't seen the best out of them, and I think they're they're eyeing off that back two games when they have to play the Drua, and then I think it's the Reds in the final round. I I reckon it's just all all about peaking yet, and we haven't seen them yet. I think. You know, you bring Arabella McKenzie back into that side as well when Upper Picky comes comes to an end. I think she she'll come back either just before or after that Drua game on the first of April. So she's should be a welcome return back back into this side, having played it in that New Zealand comp. I I still think just the Waratahs are too strong, but Fiji look Fiji look really strong. They're playing that up tempo seven style rugby for eighty minutes and. You know, it can only be good going up against this type of type of opposition, I think. But it's you know, it's added another element to CFW, and I think it's been it's really exciting so far. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it's it, it's really nice to see you know you know the emerging challenges that have come from you know from challenges in this competition. Um, Dylan, I know that you you had the pleasure of watching this game on the weekend uh, with the Rebels girls, um, and I know that you you've been a real strong supporter of this side and to see them, you know, pull off that draw against the Brumbies was, you know, a fantastic effort, especially over the last couple of years as they've been kind of growing and maturing. Um, and it's already been a positive year because they're starting to also get paid for, for playing, for playing footy as well. Um, 
you know, I know you do love a, a do love a battler. Are you also, you know, being surprised not just by the Fijiana and the and the Tars and the and the Reds, but by the performances of of kind of the of your, the likes of your Force and your Rebels and your Brumbies? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, it's been really entertaining to watch. Uh, it they play quite differently uh, than the men, so it is a, almost a you know slightly different game, which makes it really entertaining. On a side note, Nathan, I just did look up that try. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a, uh, a front row is weathering. <laughs> I'll put it in. I'll put it how, in the link. How we'll link good it in. is it? Um, <laughs> I just sent that to a couple of my front row mates. I said that's that's a, a prop in space. That's what you need. Um, no, that was that was that was phenomenal, and some of the big hits as well. Um, but that's like uh, Ash Masters try uh, for the Rebels. You know, just got it in two hands. You know, just drove over. That was. Um, and when she scored that, that was, you know, everyone cheered and you're sort of going, oh, what's going to happen? And you're thinking, oh, could are they? what are they going to do now? What, what's the call? And everyone in the box was coming up with different different coaching suggestions. But at the end of the day, they uh, they did the right thing and got the win. Oh, got the draw, sorry. But, yeah, when, when Georgia kicked it, everyone went, you know, went crazy for that. And that was really exciting to see. But it was just a really good effort from both the Brumbies and the the Rebels girls, you know, they just kept fighting hard for it. They kept um, kept trying really hard, and they're only going to get better. And that's that's the sort of exciting thing about it. Um, I've watched a couple of um, the highlights for some of the other games, and yeah, it's it's going to be a tough contest when you really, you know, now that you've got the drawer in there. Um, as you said, they're basically the Fijian women's team, so they're bringing a lot of punch. But it's exciting. It's going to be. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how this season unfolds, and, and I'm excited to see in coming years. You know, a bit similar to the women's AFL, where a lot of the recruits were originally athletes from different sports, and when they found their footing as AFL players, the game got so much better that um, they got more confident, they got stronger, and the uh, the sport grew. And I'm expecting that's what's going to happen with um, with the Super W. Give it a couple more years. Yeah, it does. It does feel like a real turning point for the comp this year at the moment. Um, and you need no further indication than than the fact that you know these teams uh, are really pushing and doing well, and the passion behind it as well. Jack, I know you've you've been following you know women's rugby for a little while. You you covered sevens for rugby.com.au and and all the other stuff on the side. Have you noticed the uh, the increase in quality uh, over the course of this comp? Have you been able to check out some games too? Yeah, it's been great. Great rugby so far. I think, um, especially this week, you're seeing um, teams, you know, closing the gap on each other. So it's become really competitive. Um, yeah, credit credit to uh, the Rebels, but also the Western Force. They're getting paid as well. And I and I think I think you can see some of that proof um, emerging with some of the some of the women they got. The uh, uh, the Western Force yeah really pushed the Waratahs on the weekend. Um, so that's encouraging to see. Um, but yeah, yeah, touching on the Touching on the Fijiana draw, um, I think it'll be a great matchup. It, it, it's it's good to have a team that could potentially topple the Tars. I think that'll be a great great matchup. And yeah, and 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 with the Rebels game, yeah, that, that it's a, I think that's a huge step forward for for the competition in general. Just having these these sides that can can beat beat the other team on on, on a good day. So um, plenty to look forward to. Yeah, it, it just wants to be a cat. It, it want you want it to be an inst- uh, in, you get to get to an instance of not if they can beat them, but when they're going to beat them. Um, and hopefully one day, you know, in the 
you know, in, come one day soon, we'll come to a point where the Rebels women's team can stare down the Waratahs, you know, the likes mm. of the experienced Waratahs women's team and, and really give them a good contest and maybe yeah. even sneak, grab a, a sneaky win or two. Um, yeah, we've got we to gotta get all these, get all the teams in, in Super W, that get all the players paid and that'll just raise the standard of the competition. Yeah. Um, so, so good, good signs early on with the with the force and the rebels. Well done to them, and and I think you know a, a few more teams can can put in their pocket and and shell out for these these women who who are busting their ass every every week for the competition and um and become really competitive. I've, I'd love to see a crossover with uh, Super Rugby Old Picky. Maybe not this year, but maybe in the future that'd be really exciting to see. I'd love to see how the how the Tars go up against um. The Chiefs, the Chiefs side over in New Zealand is stacked with some, yeah, some, uh, some, some silver ferns and some, some sevens players. So that'd be a great matchup to see. Yeah, hopefully one day we'd be we we could have a comp like that too. Um, but regardless, uh, even even for now, for the time being, I'm very very happy with watching uh, with watching Super W. Um, so let's get into the last part of the podcast and talk about our predictions uh, for this coming weekend for both competitions. Um, there is a lot of uh, of other other stuff coming out which we'll touch before we before we say goodbye. But um, I'll throw to Nick Hartman for this one first. Let's do our I'll, we'll get all of your predictions in one go. We'll first talk Super W, um, which is. Uh, we'll talk that, that those matches coming up sees uh, the Brumbies playing the Reds in Canberra, the Drua playing the Force uh, at Leichhardt Oval, and then finally the um, matching the Super Rugby fixture, the Waratahs will be playing the Rebels at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk Super W first, and we'll go through. I'll go through all of you one by one. Nick Hartman, what are your predictions on uh, on this game coming up? On this round coming up. Um, I haven't watched any of the Super W, but all I'm going to say is Drew are going to win their game. I know that. <laughs> their guns. Um, the Fijiana. Um, and let's just let's just bloody go the the lick the finger and stick it in the wind. Reds and Waratahs. Fair. It's a fair cop. Um, do any uh, Natho? Do you disagree? Are we or are we uh, are we sensing any upsets coming up? I mm, like and Jura should win pretty pretty convincingly. As we've already established, they're the top two teams in the comp. Uh, Reds and Brumbies, I, I think, is a real flip of coin. I think both teams have a team uh, have something to prove. Brumbies without a win this year. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to lean with Nick. I think the Reds just might be too good. Jack, do you disagree, or are you with them? Yeah, I disagree. I reckon. Uh, I- I think uh, Queensland Reds um, might be yeah yeah prime for an upset. I'm, I'm going the Brumbies there. I think they'll they'll catch them napping. Um, I think the Western Force will actually yeah push the draw, but I think the draw just will be too good. They'll out, outlast them. Um, and then yeah, Waratahs safe to say that they'll probably get the win. Dylan, do you reckon the the Rebels win will come sooner rather than later? Uh, are you uh, or are you with the boys on this one? Uh no, nah, I'm going with the boys. Um, <laughs> I think the force might get the uh, the upset over the drawer. I think um, the drawer are hungry, but I I just think there might be something. You know, the way Richard Kahui's playing at the moment and leading the for, that force pack around. I think well, we're uh, talking Super W, mate. We're, oh, we're Super W, sorry. 
Sorry, I thought we jumped over to the men's. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean if right. you want to go with that, I mean, like... F- f- That's all right. We'll go... Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll go the Drua, Reds, Waratahs. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Um, all right, well, let's finish off with the Super, Super Rugby, uh, Super Rugby Pacific. So right now, I know that the, the Kiwi games are all either postponed or in limbo. I think... So I know the Crusaders and Blues... Yeah, really screwing with my fantasy team. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all postponed. That's a yeah, write-off. Mo- Moana Chiefs is the only game this week. Is it? Yeah, Moana Chiefs is the only one that's going ahead. All right, so what we'll do is, if that's the case, I will... So what we'll do is we'll do the Australian games and then also chuck in the Chiefs and Moana Pacifica. But yeah, so yeah. it looks like... Uh, so it's Crusaders Blues is off and Hurricanes Chiefs is off. Um, all right, so let's talk... Uh, so, but the remaining games are, you know, Brumbies are playing the Reds, uh, Drew are, are hosting the Force at Leichhardt Oval, and the Waratahs are playing the Rebels, uh, and then the Chiefs are playing Moana Pacifica. Let's go back the way we came, and I'll start with Dylan first. Um, your predictions for this upcoming weekend? Uh, well, I already got it out there. Uh, I'm thinking the, uh, the Force might cause an upset. <laughs> uh, the yeah, Brumbies. Brumbies Reds a tough one, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go the Brumbies. I think I think mm. they could cause the upset. Then I think they're they're pretty hungry for it. Uh, I think the Waratahs are gonna have a field day. The Rebels never play well against the Waratahs anyway, so uh, I think yeah they're gonna run away with it. Um, and I think the Chiefs are gonna have a um, have a good day in the office. But I think my one Pacifica Pacifica might take it to them. They uh, they held well against the the Crusaders and they fought a lot harder than people probably gave them credit for. Yeah, I think that's a that those are fair fair predictions. Jack, dis, any disagreements? No, yep, I'm I'm back in the uh, I'm back in the Brumbies in um, Force. Yeah, that that's a tricky one. Um, hopefully, yeah, Force can can stand up. My concern is they've picked a lot of the old the old heads in their uh, their lineup. Thrush is Thrushes in, um, uh, Kahu is in, and uh, Greg Holmes is in as well. So um, we'll see how they go at the at the back end of the game when um, the Fiji endure running around throwing flip balls and all this sort of stuff. So they'll have to rely on their bench. Um, uh, Waratahs, yeah, I think the Waratahs will get the job over the Rebels. And what was the last one? So yeah, so we did. You've done well, uh, Chiefs, Chiefs, Moana Pacifica. Yeah, and the, and the Chiefs, Chiefs looking red hot, um, and they'll get the job done. Although, you know, Moana Pacifica were really impressive against the Crusaders. We'll see if they they've got it in them again to um, to match it. Yeah, uh, Nathan, any disagreements on uh, on any of these predictions so far? Uh, not entirely. No. Um, I... Waratahs beat Rebels. Waratahs look good. This is, I think, this is the game where they really try and show that killer instinct. I found it interesting, Dylan, saying the Force going for an upset. Force are convincing favourites, but it doesn't feel like they should be. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Force a dollar twenty-eight favourites to beat Fiji, which is incredible in my eyes. But because I think this this Fiji inside is just getting better and better, and I, I reckon they'll they'll once again find a way to. Knock off one of the Australian teams. I reckon they they get it done at Leichhardt. Um, Chiefs beat Moana, and then yeah, 
I'm leaning towards the Brumbies and Reds. That, it's an interesting game. I mean, looking back, doing doing research from the 2021 games, Reds went one all three games. They led for out of all three games, they led for 16 minutes. Mm. That's it. <laughs> the Brumbies led for 219 minutes. <laughs> wow. How do That's you read? Amazing. How do you read into that? That's they so read, yeah. They led for two hundred minutes more and and couldn't get a win. Uh, you know what? I, I think that the Reds just. I, I'm I'm going to say it's a mental thing. I think the Reds find find a way to win and just really really cement themselves as this as this bogey team for the Brumbies. No matter what they throw at them, the Reds just have that mental as might just have that mental aspect over them and just find a way to win. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, and I reckon it's a it's a match of the round contender. Mr. Hartman, final thoughts, your predictions. Um, great stat there, Nathan. Um, yeah. Uh, I full think... study coming to Robbie coming you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the Brumbies will overcome the Reds. I think the Reds really showed some weaknesses against the draw. They really took their foot off the pedal. Um, and I think, I mean, you know, maybe they'll get slammed for that by Thorne. I mean, I imagine, I imagine that's how he deals with all these problems. But, I, yeah, I just think the Brumbies, I think they probably, they've analysed their weaknesses. They've been looking forward to this game since the grand final last year. Um, and I dare say, you know, that's what they would have been doing and. Uh, pre-season, they probably would have just had anti, anti-Reds anti tactics. So I really reckon the Brumbies um, can't go past the Chiefs against the Moana. Um, I reckon the Drew will get over the Force. Force are a great team. They're looking a lot better. Um, they're actually looking kind of solid, uh, but with a bit of edge to them, um, which has been kind of like the best, uh, the best I've ever looked, I think. Um, and then, of course, like the Rebels would, I mean, the Waratahs would just belt the Rebels. So those are my four predictions. Yeah, look, uh, I'm, I'm kind of on a similar on a similar mindset. I reckon Chiefs are going to have a field day. Uh, I also think it, of all the places, while I do agree with you, Nate, that I think that the Brumbies are the, you know, are the home... It, it, the the Reds are the Brumbies' bogey team. I do think that of all the places the Brumbies have, find a way to win, um, GIO is the place. Canberra is the place. Um, so I am backing them only on home field advantage, um, but no denying that I would not be surprised if there is a Reds win. I am so surprised to hear that the Force are favourites for this game. Um, not not any slouch on the Force, but I think that uh, the Drua are improving week on week. Uh, you know, they've really kind of shown their form. Obviously, you, you may have a slump or, or two, but uh, yeah, this is going to be, it's basically the old, I reckon it's going to come down to old heads um, and experience versus sheer complete and utter athleticism um, and flair. And I just think at the moment that of the two sides, the Drua are just looking the better side right now. Um, so I am reckoning the Drua are going to get the job done. Unless, of course, the force really get that grindy niggly rugby going when they get that, that that kind of grindy niggly find a way to win style that they I know that they have in them. Um, God, they're they're hard. They're a hard team to put away. Waratahs Rebels foregone conclusion. We know it's going to happen. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to say. 
but yeah um all right well i think that'll that'll bring us to the end uh, of this episode for another week we will mention we do have a cup there are a couple of other news things out there most specifically the news that uh, michael checker will be getting uh, the loss the he will be getting uh, the the head coach role at los pumas um nathan can i quickly ask you about that uh, i'm curious to hear your thoughts uh, you know cuz i'm assuming you've you've been in the uh, you've been hearing a lot about this around at hq not much about it, actually, which is surprisingly. Um, but, I mean, I, th- I think if, if there's ever a team that sort of embodied a coach, Argentina and Michael Checker are like almost the perfect combo of this really over-the-top emotional forces that just are just rugby mad, rugby mad specimens. But I, I, think it's a, I think it's actually a good fit. I mean, you, I think Argentina are a lot better than what they showed in 2021. I mean, we've got to remember how much being on the road and not being, essentially, A, not even being able to sort of train at home, let alone play games at home. The, the effect that, that will have on a team, particularly which just drives an emotion, is so, is so much. So I think having Checker in there just really brings that energy and brings that, he'll bring that fight to this team. And I reckon they'll be, they'll be a lot better off for it. Yeah, I think so as well. Nick, what are your thoughts on this? I know you've been uh, kind of watching this with a bit of interest as well. I yeah, I um, I was just I was just thinking like, can we predict how this is gonna go? Um, it's kind of like the classic thing, you know. Okay, they'll start running it out from there. Twenty-two. Um, he'll bring back all these old fellas. Like you know, there'll be no one there under the age of twenty-five in the team. Um, it, how how many games, how many losses is he going to start until he starts playing the refs? I really think it's kind of going to be <laughs> a, a car crash and it's going to be sadly predictable. I... Although in his prime, sorry, Nick, sorry, but in his prime, I think the best time to have Checker as a coach is like a year, a year and a half, two years. Mm. Um, That's the kind of coach he is. He's just this sugar hit. He squeezes the lemon and then that's it. Yeah, I think so. I reckon I reckon they're not making a bad decision about this, uh, you know, provided they only keep him until after the World Cup. I reckon just get two years out of him um, and then try to get another Argentine uh, coach, uh, like the the gentleman who was who coached the Jaguares after uh, after Mario Ledesma and uh, Casala. I definitely have butchered his name, uh, but... Uh, I know he's he's currently plying his trade over in Europe and uh, has, has just filled it, grabbed another contract with them uh, over there. So, you know, who knows? I reckon uh, it, maybe it'll give uh, the Argentines the kick up the guts they need. But if you if you are interested, we'll uh, we are looking to try and lock in a podcast with Paul Tate, uh, who is the follower, who kind of is the the go to voice for all things South American rugby, and uh, we'll hopefully be able to hear get his thoughts soon uh, on on this appointment of Michael Checker to uh, the head coach role of uh, of the Pumas. I think that'll do us for this week, lads. Uh, pleasure having all of you on. Thank you all so much um, to for, for chatting rugby uh, and for, for you know, discussing this wonderful game of ours. It's going to be another fantastic weekend of rugby, both with the Super W and with Super Rugby Pacific. Uh, and to all, all of our listeners... Uh, thank you so much for listening and tuning in every week. Uh, if you if you like, drop us a review, leave us a comment, tell us what you think, um, and we'll catch you the next time around.
But what did go wrong? I'll have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Shirley Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Shirley Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Shirley Bombo, very good, very good. <laughs>